Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Roto World Football Podcast. It is, I'm going to say this for the first time all season, the most important podcast in the universe. I appreciate you for joining me today. I appreciate you joining me this Sunday at noon Eastern for Roto World Live, Facebook.com slash Roto World. Myself, Rich Rebar, Evan Silver, Roto Pat. And race someone last one of the season. So let us help you win your semifinal showdown. Plenty of start sit questions we will spend time on for 45 minutes. I have Roto Pat on later in this episode, but right now I have Evan Silva, the creator and distributor, well, I don't know, writer of the matchups column. Every single fantasy relevant player is covered in this column. Check it out, Evan Silva. What's up, buddy? What's up, man? If people heard a uh, weird, like, crashing noise in the background while you're doing your introduction, that was my daughter's hamster uh, taking a a leap from the top of uh, the the hamster's cage all the way to the bottom and knocking her water bottle off of the cage. But but the hamster is still in the cage. The hamster is still in the cage, yes. Wow. You have a daredevil of a hamster. Does that have a name? Does the hamster have a name? Well... My daughter likes to uh, call it uh, girl names, but I know that it is a boy. You know, she likes to pretend that it's a girl and um, because she thinks that girls are better. And so she she calls it like like Shimmer or um, I don't know. She has a bunch of different names. I I call it Buddy. It's a boy hamster. She just has not embraced that yet. I love it. That's great stuff. Um, Okay, let's start off, Evan, with one of the games that you're excited for. I'm excited for. It's the return of Aaron Rodgers, Packers versus Panthers. Um, But let's talk about a name not flying under the radar, but someone who might have to play a prominent role in this one in order for the Panthers to win, and his name is Demir Bird. Demir Bird. Call! Call! (laughs) All right, buddy. Come on. So we have had, you know, (laughs) talking about specific players, we've – gone real deep a couple of times and we've had our misses Demarcus Robinson yep. and we've had our hits Garrett Selleck, you know, and um, ultimately with these low probability plays, our hit rate should be low because they are low probability plays. 
but we're trying to also identify guys that you know, maybe you could use in a deeper league if you feel real desperate at a certain uh, you know, flex or a fourth wide receiver position. If you're playing daily fantasy and you want to try to get someone at the minimum price, Demir Bird stands out to me this week. Uh, he has taken over as the Panthers' number two receiver. He ran 22 pass routes last week, actually led the team in receptions with five, uh, caught five, all five of his targets for 37 yards. He's a small guy, so he does not really fit the profile, uh, the theoretical profile of a Cam Newton receiver, but he can run. Uh, he ran 4.27 at the South Carolina Gamecocks 2015 Pro Day, 42 inch vertical. I think he was like um, a 93rd or 98th percentile athlete coming out of school. What was his production like at, at in college? I, I honestly guess don't remember. I think he had a, a few injuries, if I'm remembering correctly. Like he he really, I mean, he obviously went undrafted. Um, but I, I honestly do not remember that. Yeah, he's been a guy who has definitely paid his dues. You know, he spent a lot of time on the practice squad. He ripped it up in the preseason with Joe, preseason. Uh, Joe Webb. Yeah, I had a really big preseason DFS week with Demir Bird. So I, I certainly have some pro Demir Bird uh, biases. Uh, so, you know, I don't I don't shy away from biases. I like to just talk about them and ad- admit them as opposed to, you know, trying to hide them. Um, but I think that in a, in a game that has shootout potential, you know, I think this game would have had significantly less shootout potential had Brett Hundley gotten the start. But with Aaron Rodgers getting the start, against a Panthers pass defense that I think is very vulnerable. You know, James Bradbury has been a disappointment, I think, is their number number one cornerback. They've shuffled bodies at slot in number two corner throughout the year. Did you see Captain Munderland walked out of practice earlier this yes. week? Yes. Yeah, he's their, he's their starting slot corner, but he's he's been, uh, you know, disappointed with his playing time. Right. The, Pan- the Panthers keep three linebackers on the field much more often than other teams do. But obviously last weekend, Captain Munderland started against the Vikings. or Maybe not started, but played a lot more uh, because Shaq Thompson was out. I think Shaq got in a limited practice, but it would even seem that Captain would be more in line with more snaps this week, but maybe not based on his behavior. You were right. I think that they would probably have one of the highest percentages of what people would refer to as a base defense. Yeah. Uh, one of the highest percentages because they'll play four or five down linemen and three linebackers on the field. Most teams play two linebackers the majority of the time. Some some teams just play one linebacker. Yeah. Um, so, but uh, either way, I think that you know Demir Bird is just he's a guy who has some opportunity. He has pretty good athleticism. We've seen him produce uh, in his limited chances. A lot of them have come in preseason uh, and. He is in a game that has some shootout potential, and if you're looking for a dart throw, I think that he makes sense. And we haven't seen him attack vertically, which is where he was a star in the preseason. Like, I think mm-hmm. last week against the Vikings, the one real vertical shot they took was to Kalen Clay. Um, two, Cam has a nickname for everyone on the team, uh, and Demir Birds is Bud Light, just a fun fact for you. And three, Evan, I continue just to shed a tear that Curtis Samuel was hurt because this would obviously be his role uh, yep. if, if he was healthy. Um, any interest in Aaron Rodgers? Obviously, there's going to be a ton of interest, but maybe more questions than answers. I mean, I mean again, it's going to be difficult not to play Aaron Rodgers if he's in your redraft lineup. If you made it this far, you've kept him on your roster. And it's, it's not, I wouldn't say, a horrific matchup, right? He's not facing the Jaguars, but it's not like the Panthers' defense is easy. 
No, I mean, first of all, the, we, we've talked about how this game does have high scoring potential. I mean, it opened with a 44 and a half point total, got bet all the way up above 47. Uh, and 47 is a key number in totals. It moved uh, above that. That's a significant line move, first of all. Uh, second of all, the Panthers have allowed multiple touchdown passes to four of their last five quarterbacks faced. Hmm. Uh, they have allowed uh, eight of their last 11 quarterbacks faced to post top 16 results. Now, what you're looking for, Aaron Rodgers, is not a top 16 result. But you, you do want to see that uh, the quarterback has some sort of floor, and this matchup suggests that he does have a, a solid floor. His pass catcher core is fully healthy. Uh, Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams, Randall Cobb. Uh, and when in his last four games before breaking his collarbone, he was the quarterback six, the quarterback eight, the quarterback nine, and the quarterback six. Uh, those are fairly high upside finishes uh, in his four games before the injury. So I'm I'm going I'm absolutely going right back to him. I mean yeah. I think that there are definitely quarterbacks like Ben Roethlisberger and Todd Brady and Russell Wilson and um, I think Cam Newton Cam Newton versus Aaron Rodgers is a great debate. Yeah. Uh, I would probably go with Cam, uh, but I think that that is a, a great debate. Uh, and I think Jordy Nelson goes right back into play. Uh, we talked about how the Panthers' secondary has struggled. They've given up a ton of big games recently to, to wide receivers. Robbie Anderson, Julio Jones, Jermaine Curse, Adam Thielen, Michael, Michael Thomas, Kenny Stills, Devontae Parker, Stephon Diggs, Jarvis Landry, Muhammad Sanu have all produced at or above expectation against the Panthers in their last five games. I think that Devontae Adams and Jordy Nelson are both uh, highly confident plays. And I think that Rand Randall Cobb goes back into play as a wide receiver mm -hmm. three slash flex. I, I was on a Panthers.com podcast uh, this week, and I was just uh, envisioning the scenario from the Panthers defensive coordinator spot, like how I'm sure in most situations, you know, they watch the last six, seven, eight games to prepare for an offense. Meanwhile, you can't do that for this Packers offense, right? You kind of have to piecemeal it from Aaron Rodgers in the first five games he played versus Jamal Williams and how they've been running the football since he's been out, uh, Aaron Rodgers, and obviously Ty Montgomery. Plus, then maybe they put in some new package plays, things like that, screen passes that you have to account for as well. So I'm guessing the game plan this week is a bit more unique and, and different than normal for a defensive coordinator facing a team, you know, in week 15. Um, and before we move on to our next guy, I want to ask you about Greg Olson. Yeah. Because he had one target and zero catches last week. He did play 92% of the snaps. Uh, the Packers have been very good against tight ends this year, although when they face like decent tight ends, they've given up you know decent production to them. But he is a major dilemma, I think, for a lot of people, myself included, uh, so I would love to get your thoughts on yeah, Greg Olson. It's, it's, I, I think he's a, actually a pretty interesting play this week. Uh, I, I don't think we can look back at last week's production from the Panthers and say, okay, this is going to happen again, right? That was a fluke game in many ways for that Panthers offense. You know, How often is John Stewart going to run 60 yards? <laughs> like We haven't seen that since like his rookie year, right? Um, how often is you know Cam not going to get a uh, goal line carry for the two touchdowns how often you know is he going to retreat in the pocket and loft it up against his body after evading a very good defensive line and lob it up to Devin Funches my point here is I I would be surprised if if Greg Olson doesn't see at least four targets 
in this game. Like, I think they try to get him uh, involved. And I, I, I bet that – and Demarius Randall's played quite well on the outside with Devin Funches. I think that might play um, a bit of a factor here um, with, with Greg Olson in the middle of the field. I bet they get him involved is the short answer there, Evan. Um, we could have move on? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Next is Michael Crabtree. Michael Crabtree is kind of alone in the Raiders' uh, passing game now. Amari Cooper is not expected to play this weekend. So what do we expect to see out of Michael Crabtree? Well, first of all, we have the narrative that uh, Derek Carr came out this week and said uh, that he's going to start pulling the trigger on more difficult throws because this has been an issue for him all season long. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, he was coming off the broken leg from last year. Uh, He suffered uh, fractures in his back uh, fairly early in the season. And he's played tentatively and cautiously and, um, you know, getting the ball, getting rid of the ball long before the pass rush is a threat. Uh, And the, the Raiders passing game has sunk because of it. I mean, Amari Cooper didn't have a good season, but part of it is to be blamed on Derek Carr, I think. Uh, Derek Carr is the general of the offense, and he's had a poor season. He's been one of the – I think along with Mary, Marcus Mariota, those two quarterbacks – And I throw in Jameis as well. Jameis would be my third most disappointing quarterback. Yeah. Uh, you know, And those guys are all sort of in that same bucket. Uh, very, just ha- have had uh, below-expectation seasons, I think. Uh, with that said, uh, you know, we do have the narrative of Derek Carr saying that he's going to start pulling the trigger and no Amari Cooper this week. Michael Crabtree last week, even when Carr, you know, technically wasn't pulling the trigger. Michael Crabtree had 13 targets uh, in addition to catching a two point uh, conversion. Uh, he caught seven passes for 60 yards. You know, he wasn't a, a weak winner, but he was a solid play in fantasy a strong play in ppr this week he faced off with a cowboys defense that uh, i'm not sure they're going to have orlando skandrick back even if they do you know he hasn't been very good this year uh, and if they don't have him they're gonna be starting two rookies on the outside in shadobi awuzie mm-hmm. and jordan lewis with anthony brown in the slot uh, also and both are smaller corners if we want to throw that out there as well uh, yes. Yeah. Chidobi Awuze, is, is, is he particularly small? I didn't think that he was. Yeah, I think he's about 5'11". He actually played okay. and was considered one of the best slot corners coming out. He, he moved outside and inside coming out of Colorado. Very good player, though, I think. Yeah, I don't think of 5'11 guys as small corners, but I, we are uh, you know, advancing toward an age where that might be considered a small corner because the corners get bigger every single year. Um so anyways, uh, Crabtree facing off with a Cowboys defense that has allowed the most touchdowns in the NFL to wide receivers. And I don't know if you know who uh, Josh Hermsmeyer is, uh, Frisco Josh on Twitter, uh, used to write for Rotoviz, now runs his own website, airyards.com. Uh, he puts out a list of uh, buy low targets, you know, guys who are just kind of due for some positive regression based on how many air yards, how much opportunity in terms of air yards they've seen recently. Uh, and Michael Crabtree is uh, the number two buy low target uh, in in that list. Last week, the number two buy low target in that list was Des Bryant, who a lot of people were didn't really want to play. Uh, but he wound up being a really solid fantasy star. And Michael Crabtree is getting a lot more opportunity, period, 
than Des Bryant has recently in terms of just sheer targets. Uh, so in a good matchup, I think that Michael Crabtree is a really solid start this week. This is what uh, reminded me of the Awuzie comment. He is six feet tall and 200 pounds coming out, but he had somewhat short arms, 30 and 5 eighths inches. So that, that's what was bringing my memory of him being uh, less than ideal length for a certain gotcha. corner. Um, okay, let's close it out with Latavius Murray. Latavius Murray, for streaks this season, has been kind of dominant inside the 10-yard line, right? He's gotten volume and opportunities there, and he succeeded. Um, I can't remember as of late. I don't think it happened last weekend. Did I forget? Did one happen? No, he was a bust last week. Yep, that's what I thought. Um, So what do we think about Latavius Murray this weekend? So Latavius Murray is not usually a player that I like a lot. Um, he doesn't get any passing game usage when the Vikings are losing. Uh, he will get game scripted out of the game. Uh, and he has a low floor and I don't like to use guys who have low floors, but I have a relatively high level of confidence that the Vikings are just simply going to control this game against the Bengals who didn't show up at all in a home game last week against the bears uh, got pasted 33-7. to Bears just ran the ball down their throats. I mean, Jordan Howard went off. Tarek Cohen had one of his best games in a long time. Uh, Vontez Perfect is still a question mark as we record this on Thursday night. Uh, he has not practiced. He may miss another game. Uh, and, I mean, he's had concussions historically, so him missing another game wouldn't be a surprise. Uh, I just – I'm kind of doubting that the Bengals are really going to show up here Uh, And I think the Vikings are going to show up big after that road loss to Carolina going back home. Vikings have just played shut down defense at home. They have major home road splits. Um, And I think that they control this game. And when the Vikings control games, that's when Latavius Murray uh, gets a a ton of balls put in his belly. Uh, And I think he's going to get a lot of opportunity here. Uh, the, The Bengals over their last three games have allowed over five yards per carry to opposing running backs, and in seven of their last eight games have given up 110 rushing yards or more. Uh, so even if Burfecht, and a lot of those games were, or seven of those games were with Fontes Burfecht in. So um, I think that the the, Bengal, the Vikings control this game, and Latavius Murray gets a lot of volume, uh, and I think he's going to be a good bet for a touchdown. I need to talk to the people for a second. William and Wyclef and Wyatt and Wesley, Wade, Wayne, Walter, and Warren, if you enjoyed at any point what Evan Silva had to say in this very podcast, be sure to subscribe to the Roto World Football Podcast and check out Evan's matchups column over at rotoworld.com. Thanks so much, Evan. And right after this, we have Roto Pat. We are back with the one and only Roto Pat, Patrick Darty. Pat writes the rankings over at rotoworld.com. You can check them out on R-O-T-O-W-O-R-L-D.com. Plus, there are actually uh, rankings from a number of other people on our season pass, including Ray Summerlin, Rich Rebar, and Brandon Funston. But Pats are there on the main page. Pat, I need to open with a non-football question because that's what we do here. Uh, I asked Ray this a few weeks ago, and he's just a complete Scrooge and just went like, full bad take on me but pat what is the best gift you have ever received 
best gift I've ever received. I was gonna say I thought you you were gonna ask me about Christmas music. I was gonna say the only good Christmas music is Christmas music that's not playing. Um, you don't like any the, of it? No. None. No. Like not even like in sync Christmas. No. Do you have? Do you like Christmas movies? No. Um, so you and Ray are just Scrooges. <laughs> Basically, is I do this podcast, and we know Evan's just a Scrooge about everything, other than Larry yeah. Fitzgerald. Uh, so wow, okay, but okay, I actually do like Christmas though, um, even though it's kind of you know become this huge like commercial. I mean, do you, not. Do it's you probably force your daughter like... to make cookies? <laughs> She's only eighteen months old. I know, so... but will this will this be the second time that you force her to make cookies? So you can next year. Next year's where we're hoping with the the daughter baking program. Are you like excited to like get her like small toys and like make her super excited about Christmas? I actually am. I I was super obviously in love with Christmas when I was a kid and just thought it was the greatest thing ever. Just circling things in magazines and blah 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 and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I I, I always think that shopping for kids is much easier than shopping for adults because what those toys probably cost ten, fifteen bucks and you can get twenty of them. And kids still have, you know, pure joy that's stamped out by the time you're about four or five. But my 18-month-old daughter is still uh, capable of pure joy. I was exaggerating a little bit. There are some Christmas songs that I like. But, you know, the Christmas, the great American Christmas playlist doesn't get updated too often. And uh, so I take, this is a, we're getting too into the weeds here, but I'm a Beatles fanatic. And I actually think Paul McCartney is the best Beatle um, which is, you know, kind of an unpopular opinion. I feel like. How was that an unpopular he's, opinion? Every, he's like he's not the hip one to choose. To be hip, people always choose John Lennon or George Harrison. George okay. Harrison to be contrary, but so you know, but Paul was the driving force of the Beatles. Anyways, the point is, I'm a huge Paul McCartney fan, but I mean, literally, how many times can I hear "Wonderful Christmas Time," which he probably spent five to six minutes writing <laughs> and recording, and like and, and ultimately ago. he's still alive, so you win basically. Um, <laughs> but the best gift I ever received, Josh, was in 1996, uh, the first humor. video game system my parents ever bought for us. Yep. We begged them for an N64 the year Loved it came it. out, and they they got us an N64, and there was no looking back. Yep, Super Mario 64, Pilot Wings. Remember Pilot Wings? Oh, dude, of course. Wave Race. My mom drove to – I'm from Charlotte, as everyone knows. My mom drove like an hour and a half deep into South Carolina to find me Wave Race <laughs> at some Walmart. Um, we bought. I remember buying Cruisin' USA. Yep. We we called somewhere in like uh like somewhere the that didn't u- would crash in the windshield and all that stuff. Yeah, somewhere that didn't usually sell video games like Office Max or something. My mom somehow tracked down Cruisin' USA. That was the a big kiosk day. you had to go to at Toys R Us. Like you had to get the slip and like bring it to the kiosk and pick it up there and blah blah blah. We were not Toys R Us kids, so I don't remember oh, that. I I certainly was. Uh, okay, Pat. It's been over four minutes. <laughs> uh, whatever. Who cares? Uh, let's start with and. Okay, back in 1994, whatever you said, 96. The, 96. The trendy system was in 64. Let's talk about some trendy players for this weekend. Because every week it's like some group think happens a little bit. And we all in the fantasy community fall in love with certain players based on their recent weeks or, or maybe new offenses or whatever. Um, right now it's Jimmy G and the combination of Marquise Goodwin. What's your confidence level in playing both of those players in fancy lineups in pivotal weeks. 
fairly high. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo has 627 yards since making his starting debut two weeks ago. Is sixth in the NFL. Uh, He's, you know, both games on the road. This is going to be his first home game, finally. And I've just been so won over by the quick release. Like, I, I would, okay, I would like dabble in like truthing Jimmy Garoppolo before the trade and everything. Like, you know, why are we talking about Jimmy Garoppolo so much? I mean, he looked okay before he got hurt last year, but we're really going on nothing. And then I watched the Bears 49ers game. I was like, yep, franchise quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo is here to stay. So I'm a Jimmy Garoppolo mega fan already wow looking forward to his home debut and marquise goodwin averaging 103 yards in two games jimmy garoppolo is averaging 87 over his past five games so he's producing even with cj bethard and it's just been such a bad year at quarterback such an unreliable year and jimmy's been pretty steady in his two games and this is probably his second best setup after last week had the rippable Texans uh, Titans past events improved a little bit as the season's gone on but not a team you're going to fear at home and just like when you got Kirk Cousins collapsing you got Blake Bortles you got Alex Smith facing the Chargers Jameis Winston Jared Goff in Seattle it's just like with all those questions I just I don't mind Jimmy Garoppolo's questions this week and I've got him right on the QB 1-2 borderline here are some points I'm going to make one the duo faces the Tennessee Titans. Titans are not that good on defense, although they've been better at rushing the passer as of late. But uh, the that combination of Jimmy G and Marquise Goodwin uh, has not accounted for any touchdowns combined, right, together in terms of him throwing no. and Goodwin catching. In fact, Goodwin only has one touchdown on the season, and touchdowns are kind of important. Plus, the Titans are actually, and this is from Rich Rebar's worksheet, you might have heard of it, uh, <laughs> third allowed the third fewest completions of over 20 yards and we know that Marquise Goodwin is a big play threat I think something's got to give here Pat because I went back and looked at the next gen stats from Jimmy G in terms of where he's throwing the football and 30 of his 70 attempts have gone 10 plus yards down the field which is like a high 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 percentage so I think he ends up in the end zone maybe nothing has alluded to that in the past but I'm with you I think this is a really nice matchup for the two um, one, because the Titans absolutely freaking suck on defense. And kind they of do. They're very – well. I'm going to do – you know, I don't know what, what the ethics are on retweeting your own tweets. I still wish Twitter had never allowed that. But I think every Sunday from now – I tweeted like three or four weeks ago, the Titans suck. Uh-huh. And I'm going to retweet that every Sunday until the end of the season, I think. So. It's sad. Um, okay, let's move on to Christian McCaffrey, who you have as running back 24. On the edge of, I would say, startable, maybe even – unstartable for many people out there who are still in their fantasy matchups. I somewhat understand it here, right? Because in the past few weeks, his rushing attempts have been super low since his 15 carries against Atlanta in week nine, week 10 saw five carries week 12, seven week 13, six week 14, eight. I do think though you're losing a little bit here in terms of just focusing and maybe last week, kind of infiltrated your mind a bit too much. The long John the Stewart run, the two short John the Stewart touchdowns. Like I still think Chris McCaffrey is a focal point of this offense. And I think he finishes above running back 24. I'm going to flip your take on its head. And then I'm not really concerned about the lack of rushing attempts, you know, only twice all the years he had more than 10. It's in the past few weeks, the, the lack of receptions really, I mean, he was catching a lot of passes the first two thirds of the season of the past month. His reception totals are three, five, two, and three. And maybe that's a fluke. It like, seems like a fluke because they need him to be a focal point. I mean, they have 
so few weapons, but his passing game usage has decreased to the point where like his floor is not high enough really, in my opinion to have in the top 20 and yeah, really kind of on the RB two, three borderline. And it is a good matchup in the, the Packers have allowed 81 receptions to running backs tied for the second most in the NFL. But McCaffrey, I was comfortable with him when he seemed like kind of a guaranteed like 12 to 15 touches. But I think right now it's kind of more like the nine to 12 range. And that's just not quite enough. If, uh, when you have kind of as low a touchdown odds as he does on the ground. Meanwhile, you really like Tyree kill this week. You have him as wide receiver 11 in the composite rankings. We have over in the season pass at Roto world. That is easily the highest. If I'm reading this correctly, um, why are you so interested in playing Tyreek Hill this week? I understand big plays, yada, yada, whatever. But if we're looking at maybe some floors along with ceilings, you're comfortable with this? Yeah, I mean, he's come on, he's one of the best receivers in the NFL. I mean, I think it's almost kind of low for someone uh, with his upside. And he's been actually pretty consistent lately. Uh, last week, he had four catches, 75 yards. Should have had more, but was kind of banged up for the second half there. And uh, the Raiders weren't really putting up much of a fight. But uh, Tyreek, you know, he's a ceiling player, but he's kind of established a sneaky high floor where it's pretty much good for at least five or six catches every week. And, you know, they're playing the Chargers. They don't allow – they're kind of – one of the the better defenses at allowing big plays. Uh, but you know, it's not like, uh, I mean, do you think he's gonna be shadowed by Casey Hayward? It doesn't Possibly. seem like some, doesn't seem like something that doesn't seem like that would be smart by the chargers to me. And Casey Hayward actually mispracticed on Thursday, by the way. Um, so and we'll Tyree see. gets like moved around quite a bit. Yeah. Too. Tyree, so if that's they what I'm want saying. to create a catch for him, they can create a catch for him. So Tyreek is a guy who moves around so much. I'm not worried as much about the Casey Hayward factor. And I mean, he's just, it's, I feel like uh, the the defense never matters as much for Tyreek Hill as the offense. For him, it's all about is Alex Smith going to pull the trigger or not? And um, yeah, he's just he's got the highest ceiling arguably at the position, and his floor is higher than people think. So I'm comfortable leaving him in the top twelve every week. You mentioned Blake Bortles to start this show. Blake Bortles actually put up some solid fantasy points and performances all around the past two weeks from clean situations in many cases. Meanwhile, you are down comparatively on D.D. Westbrook as wide receiver 34, despite them playing the Houston Texans and the Texans being torched by fast receivers. Pat, guess who's fast? D.D. Westbrook. (laughs) I'm down on D.D. Westbrook. I thought wide receiver 34 is kind of high for a guy, really, who's only had – You've know, been on the scene three or four games. I thought I was kind of giving him some nice benefit of the doubt there. As a composite uh, ranking, honest. the others have him as wide receiver twenty-seven. So you are well, I was gonna la- the lowest. I was going to lay out my positive spiel on him, which is that he's nineteenth in yards with two hundred yep. and tenth in targets with twenty-seven over the past three weeks. But and yeah, like you said, the Texans give up a lot of big plays, and uh, Blake Bortles, you know, uh, been having some of his smoke, having some of his mirrors the past few weeks, but. So I like D.D. Westbrook, but there's just I mean, truly only so high you can have the Jaguars as number two receiver. And uh, I thought it was actually a very appropriate hedge for D.D. Westbrook. Okay. Then the may, maybe I was like kind of out on. No, I just have a prediction that like maybe. I thought I was going to get accused of like shiny new toys. May, maybe on Saturday you might post a tweet that says, and I updated it and push D.D. Westbrook a little higher. Just Just a thought. Possibly. You know, you almost you kind of got in my head about Giovanni Bernard last week, and, uh, and I, I shouldn't have listened. Sort of. Yeah, I mean, it's not. Like, he was like a top twenty. He was like a twenty twenty one guy. 
I mean, uh, and you, can we talk about the who volume you was there? And that's what we, I was talking about the entire we time. Like, about super who you were dead wrong about, by the way. Um, dead wrong. Robbie Anderson. No, you're Kareem Hunt. Oh, well, sh- <laughs> shut up! I don't care. <laughs> you went all I'm, in on the Kareem Hunt hate, Josh. against him because I went all in. You were wrong. Him the week before. Well, sure. <laughs> I have to talk about like 50 players each week. I don't care. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, I do care, by the way. And you all should care too because we are here to talk about this this Sunday as well. The final Roto World Live of the season. Did you know that, Pat? It is. I actually did not. That's sad. Is it? Uh, and Roto World Live <laughs> is brought to you by Kia. We appreciate Kia all season long. So tune in. It's an important weekend. Roto World Live, noon Eastern, Facebook.com slash Roto World. My man, Pat, I appreciate you each and every week. And to all of you out there, I appreciate you as well. We'll talk to you all soon. See ya. field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal it probably won't go well so set a limit when you gamble and stick to it want more helpful tips like this go to keepitfunohio.com for games quizzes and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. (laughs) Well. Ooh, yeah. That happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface.